We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in Lord's Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that joining us for the first time in Huddle history, the co-host of Tolbert and Copes on KNBR 680, a man who used his passion, talent, and knowledge of Bay Area sports to go from an intern in a promotions department to program director at three major sports radio stations, a member a sport talent agency's top 30 sportscasters under 30, and a man who literally just spoke with Ramona Shelburne about Clay and Draymond's run-in with Dirty McDaniels last night, Mr. Adam Copeland. What's going on, Adam? Oh, uh, dude, what a nice intro. Uh, great to be with you guys. And, dude, what they always leave out when they talk about that, like, intern to program director thing that just happened is a lot of beers and a lot of being unemployed in between. Like, I, <laughs> I got to, like, have, I had fun, too. I didn't. I wasn't, like, a company man. You know what I mean? Like, I need people to know I'm like a man of the people to some extent, you know? I mean, I immediately respect that. And so much so I'll be transparent. I went from an intern to just being an intern in a different company and then an intern in a different company. Like they, it never progressed anywhere, dude. But it, it also involved good. beer. So, you know, we've got that in common. As long as you got beer, man. Best beer is a free beer. Second best beer is a cold beer. Boom. Let's go. <laughs> Cope, you and I are going to get along, dude. Um, we have got way too much warrior shit to cover. My feelings are hurt from last night, which I'll share in a moment. Before we get there, though, we've never talked to you before. And so we got to explore at least a little about your background. And I'll start here. So I know you were born and raised in the Bay, which means the world to me, man, because there's not a lot of us left anymore. But I'm not sure where. So where in the Bay are you from? So I grew up in San Leandro. Uh, I was born in Castro Valley. I grew up in San Leandro. I was a Catholic school kid, Assumption School off of... Uh... It was uh, off 136th and Benedict Avenue is where it ran. My dad still lives in San Leandro. He moved there when he was a kid, so he was mostly a San Leandro guy. My mom's from Nevada, was born in San Francisco. My grandfather lived over on uh, on Persia, over in the outer mission Excelsior. So we're pretty we're pretty uh, pretty set in the bay. I went to uh, I went to Moreau Catholic in Hayward, then I went to Chabot College in Hayward, Hesperian High, that's what we called it, and then uh, then I came out here to San Francisco State, and I've lived in Daly City, Colma. I live in North Beach now, about a mile from the uh, the station I'm in right now. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's I love growing up in the Bay, man. It's funny you said that about not very many of us left. Whenever I meet somebody in San Francisco who's from San Francisco, and I'm talking like somebody who's like under under 40, because that, that, it's like I, I go weeks and I don't see a kid in San Francisco unless you're in the oh, yeah. sunset, right? So you meet somebody in the city, I'm always like, you're a unicorn. People aren't from San Francisco anymore. So I'm like, I'm glad you feel that way about the Bay Area because I don't, I don't think about it as much because I'm always enamored with the San Francisco. So I am, I've got an eight-year-old in my life. And what that means is my social circle is aggressively expanding. You know, like yeah. I got to meet everybody through the yeah. birthday parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And so everybody I meet is no longer from here. They just live here. And they're always shocked to meet someone who's from here. So, you know, amazing uh, to meet another Bayhead. I'm imagining you grew up a Warriors fan? Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I grew up, I, me and my buddy, Ethan Brem, shout him out, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm Giants first and foremost. It's my number one thing. I'm a, just a diehard baseball fan. And then when I was in seventh grade, I never played basketball as an athlete. I got really into it, started playing in, in middle school and then into high school. But my best friend is a diehard Warrior fan. Like, I'm talking, they won 17 games. or, or I think they won 17 and then 19 or 1917 when we were like fifth grade and sixth grade. Mookie Blaylock, Eric Dampier, Mark Jackson, the center. I remember we used to go to that final uh, they'd have the open practice at the arena, sure. right? We go to that final open practice, and he hit like a half court shot. We were all hyped on, and he made the team. Bad decision to make the team. We go to the Warriors read to achieve nights at the libraries to win tickets. 
we'd sit there with like Yuri Welsh, like uh, uh, photos on a popsicle stick and try to get him in Bob Sura's attention. I was a, I was a diehard for a team that, that was just kind of an afterthought because it was accessible, man. It was a lot of fun for kids. In East Bay. Dude, the only name you didn't drop there is Vontigo Cummings. Nicely Dude. fucking played. Um, and come on, uh, Mark Jackson, I remember him losing by 30, hitting a layup, and then turning to the bench and screaming, unstoppable, baby. Unstoppable, which... baby. Dude, that was <laughs> My buddy used to yell it on the playground. That same friend used to yell it on the playground. <laughs> unstoppable, baby. Playground. I mean, he was, in fact, unstoppable. It is what it is. You know I mean? Yeah. He's just telling the Still truth. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm also assuming, because I'm sure it's true for all of us, if you're from the Bay, you grew up listening to KNBR. So to put these things together, dream job, dude? Fucking sports director at the station that you listen to your entire life? I'd say this is beyond dream job. Like when Bob Melvin got hired by the Giants, he's like, you think about playing for your childhood team, you don't think about coaching it. And I was like, and then he's like, both of them, and to go to Cal. I was thinking that exact same thing. I'm like, it's wild, because when I got asked to do the show with Murph and Mac, when they offered me that gig, I remember the day that show started. I was driving my sister to school. I was a junior in high school, and I was on Foothill, and I remember we were driving to Moreau Catholic, and I was like, dude, this show is great. We used to listen to that. We'd go to, like, Don Blue. We'd go to Lamont Tinelli for Dirty Fridays. Like, but I'm a, I used to listen to Love Line, and everything I know about sex, I learned from Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla <laughs> between, like, 2000 and 2005, when I started, like, experimenting myself, you know? So, <laughs> so... So my sister and I would drive, and she used to get pissed, and we'd have Murphy Mac, and I said, I just want to listen to, to sports. But I got into so many things, dude. Uh, I'd never paid any attention to golf until I listened to David Dusek from Golf.com with Fitz and Brooks on Saturdays. I became an intern here, and that was cool. But, like, getting to host shows and be around it and work with Tom Tolbert, he's a basketball card, like, literally. But to me, because I didn't see him play. I don't remember him playing at all. I, I, was, I was born in 89. And so I asked him recently, like, I, I don't remember you not being on the air at KNBR. And he said, I started in 96. I was in first grade or something, man. So, yeah, dude, I, it, it's a dream come true to work here. It's incredible to be, like, you know, cracking jokes with Greg Papa and, and Tom Bulbert. It's, it's, it's I, like, what are we doing, you know? So I'll give you a sense of Maxime and I's personality. I'm a crazy person. And, like, I take everything way too hard. Here's illustration number one. I'm bitter that you have your dream job and I don't. We oh, just dude. met and I'm jealous yeah, of it. Yeah, well. It's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, dude. We're going to get off of this. this appreciate you fun. saying that. No, I appreciate you that. call and I'm going to go do some more work. You know? Yeah, they're okay. Thank you. What you hear they, is fun. <laughs> feel better about that to, to finish yeah, out the picture. Maxime's yeah. a genuinely My life sucks. Person. It's terrible. You know, yeah, hey, well, you know what? <laughs> I wish you had just said that earlier. Now I feel much better about this. Um, I'm sure Maxime is rooting for you to enjoy your job. So, uh, so you've got that upside. Appreciate it, boys. <laughs> no, this is good. This is fun. Doing this stuff's fun. All right. We got to keep the pedal to the metal here because I know you, we've got you for a really limited time. So I'm going to keep the other Adam Copeland focused questions in pocket and go to the Warriors. All right. Okay, so right. here's we're, we're going to break normal tradition today. What do we normally do? We do this thing called glass half full. Look back at Warriors who give us something we like or don't or even golden questions. We're you know? doing that. I'm coming back. I'm booking hey, myself dude, for you. I'm coming yeah. back because I want to do it. And I, and I watched how much time I had. We want you, but here's what we are going to do while we have you Wednesday night fights, Adam. So here's the idea. We are less than 24 hours removed from professional basketball history. Three players, three count them ejected without a single point on the board. Uh, I got a lot of follow-up questions, but let me start here because I just shared a piece of my personality. I want a piece of yours. How did you experience it when it happened? And and here's what I mean. Um, I'm watching with my wife. Yeah. Goes down, she watches. She's interested. We rewound it. We went through it. But it's the same way if there had been a fight in a movie. She watched the rest of it without being emotionally involved. It just was what it was. It's something that happened in that TV show. Me, I lost my shit the rest of the night. I was so emotionally invested, super angry, fucking, I'm, I was angry today. It, it stuck with me. So for you, 
that goes down. Which side of that spectrum are you on? Does does it impact you emotionally? Uh, emotion for me with basketball. Sports are different with me with emotion. Baseball is the one. The Giants are the one that really hit me emotionally. Warriors, for me, I'm more analytical about it because I learned the game later, and I'm just a fan. I'm fascinated by it, right? It's incredible to watch what's happened to them. Like This is a joke for anybody from here. It's just ha- it's a, seriously, it's a, it's a joke that they're the, what they are. So, uh, honestly, the way it happened for me is I went to the bathroom, and I came out of the bathroom. The game had just started. Like I knew it was tipping off, right? I just started. I was like, I'm going to run the bathroom. Come out of the bathroom, and my fiance's in the kitchen. And I hear the, the fracas on TV and she goes, is this live? And I stopped and I kind of stood and I looked and I, I swear to God, I stood for like five or six seconds trying to figure out if this was an old, like where this was from. Was this an old Draymond <laughs> incident? Like where did, which time did Draymond get into a fight? With I was like, cause I don't know. He doesn't like Rudy Gobert. He always talks about him. And then it's like, and then once I looked down at the score and there was, what was there? 10 minutes or something left in the clock. I was like, 10 inch, I was like what was it? Like, what is going on? I was like, I, I, I had no, I, I was, I was, I was baffled. And then, because I didn't see the initial incident with play, right? So then I had to rewind and I go back and I watch it all. Um, then I watched it like 10 or 11 times. I had to catch back up to the game. I was laughing, dude. I was laughing. It cracked me up. So I was like, this is, I was like, what is Draymond doing? Sometimes I just, I can't fathom. And so what I try to do a lot, especially in this industry now and getting to have resources like these guys, like Tom Tolbert, who you and I listen to our whole lives and are like, this guy is the best. You ask him, like, because for me as a fan, I watch Draymond do that and I say, this is a different incident than any of the other ones he's had. This isn't mm. dragging a guy down on his back. This isn't stomping on Demonte Sabonis' chest. This isn't kicking Stephen Adams in the in the balls. This isn't you know doing the same thing to LeBron. Like it's not it's not any of those things because it was centered around a teammate and it was centered around a long term teammate. And I think it's important to note that because we crack and I did myself today. You talked a lot of jokes about Jordan Poole, right? This is a guy who punched a teammate yep. in the face last year yep. in the preseason and probably changed the the dynamic of the organization. So my, my initial reaction is, like, I get what he's doing, but at some point in that altercation, he crossed the line, and we, we'll get to the suspension. But I, that, that was my reaction. He crossed the line, and it was was an unexpected no, but it was a little bit like, what are you doing, man? Come on. Here, let's, so I was going to go Clay Jaden first, but since we only have you for a moment, let's, let's break down Draymond v. Gobert. All right, so I'm ultimately going to ask you, was Draymond justified at all? You know, I mean, and I, we've got the suspension to look at, and I understand he did wrong, but I'm going to ask you, do you know, is there some justification here? First, a little bit of background. There's funk between them. They're both defensive player of the year, guys. I heard Ramona on your show talk about that. I thought that, that was, different defensive guys. Uh-huh. There's a little bit of tension, maybe. There's competitiveness think. there already, which makes yeah. sense to me. And then there's specific shit. Last year, uh, Draymond punches pool. Gobert takes to Twitter and tweets out, insecurities loud. Then later in the year, after Minnesota's having kind of a shitty start to the season, uh, Gobert gets into a fight in the huddle with his teammate, right? Kyle Anderson. And then Draymond tweets out, insecurity is loud. So there's, you know, there was a little thing beforehand. Then we get to last night. All right. Um, I'll save the video. I have it, but we don't need to waste time on that. We've seen it. And, and I guess what I wanted to highlight had I showed you the video is there's a second where Gobert has Clay in a headlock. Now, that you know, I'm using an aggressive term there. Gobert said he was a peacemaker, and what he was trying to do is de-escalate the situation. But what he did to de-escalate it is grab Clay from behind, and then Dre goes crazy. All right, so question number one. Justified in any way? Was, was Draymond justified in what he did? Yes. In my mind, yes. Now, again, 
and this is a Warriors fan, and we just talked about where we grew up, right? And I know that anybody who heard this outside would say, you're ridiculous. I also think he should have been suspended. So I'll, I'll preface it with that. Was he justified in what he did? Absolutely, because if any of us, I don't care what team you're rooting for, are at a bar and you see your buddy in what looks like a fight, whether you're running over to throw a punch, and I've, I got to tell you, I'm not a fighting guy. I've never, I am a big breakup fights guy. Yeah, I can't but I've been, I can't tell you how many times I've been hit breaking up a fight. Because you're running, you're trying to pull, and you, when you're trying to get to somebody you know, Sometimes you're not thinking about what you're doing. Rudy Gobert, in that moment, if you're going to say Draymond doesn't know what he's doing, if, if the anger takes over, then the same has to be true for Rudy Gobert, and you have to give him that same pass. So is Draymond justified in what he did? Rudy Gobert went over and got involved in an altercation with two guys on opposite teams, which that's sports. That's what happens. Draymond getting involved there, too, in the way that he did. Did he want to get involved? Maybe. Maybe that's something, under, like, we'll never know that, and maybe that's something that's, that's an underlying thing, but... I can't imagine any of us wouldn't run to the help of a friend or a teammate, and I would do the same thing. And and Tom Tolbert today said to us, "You don't, you can't understand that until you're in that moment." I love Tolbert had a couple of things he told you today that stuck out to me that fits in right here. One, you can't look into somebody else's mind. So even if Rudy a hundred percent was a peacemaker, in that that's exactly what he wanted. There's no reason that Draymond would know that when he sees everything in this in this heated moment. You know, off it goes. Two. If he wanted to be peacemaker, why the fuck didn't he pull off one of his teammates? What's he going oh. after Clay for? I mean, like what, how, and, and not to say um, that Gobert wasn't trying to deescalate things, but if you want there to be no justification, keep your hands off of the other team, dude. Like that's, that's the that's, only direction. That was, yeah. That's also, sorry to interrupt you. That's also why Rudy Gobert was fine. That's why after the game, when the pool reporter says to Anthony Slater, we believe he was a peacemaker upon looking at the video. If you think he's going over to pull Quay off and be like, hey, you can't be doing this. I want to be. And then Draymond then grabs him and drags him. I can understand the official seeing it that way. However, the NBA says you shouldn't be putting your hands on another player, on another team. And that's going to result in a fine, the same fine that Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels get. So in the eyes of the league, he, they're seeing it the way we're seeing it. In the eyes of the league, they're seeing that altercation, that incident the same way. I don't think Clay should have been ejected. I don't think uh, Draymond should have been suspended five. Five is weird. It's the most anybody's been suspended for an on-court incident, I believe, since Ron Artest. This is quick in-show research today in 2010-11, or it was 11-12, when he threw a ball off James Harden's head. So there haven't been a lot of situations like this. It's unique. Maxime, let me go to you, and let's pick up where Adam just left us. All right? So he's right. There's not a lot of five-game suspensions, dude. I looked it up. And so they, um, the aftermath, as we learned today via Wojciechowski, uh, Draymond's out five games and then a $25,000 fine for the other people involved. Um, and so I looked it up, right? The only five-game suspension I could find was Kyrie Irving, not by the league, by his team after all the anti-Semitic shit last year. All right? So there's, there's a five-game thing. But there's been a bunch of six games suspensions, boys. Let me give those to you. And then, uh, Maxime, I'm going to ask you, is five games too much, too little? Is it justified? Here are the people in the history of the league who have been suspended six games. So just one more game than Draymond's currently facing. Ben Wallace in the 0405 season on November 19th, 04. And this is the description from the NBA. Wallace shoved Indiana player Ron Artest after a hard fall or foul during an NBA game. Malice in the Palace, right? Yeah. This is the this I is the, thing the start of the Malice. I, you know, okay. I was watching at the England in San Leandro. Oh, Boom! Oh, the Krogans <laughs> and Montclair, and I was yeah, losing my shit. Did, yeah. uh, DJ Mabenga on the 0506 season, June of 2006. Mabenga entered the stands to aid the wife of head coach Avery Johnson, who was in the confrontation with two fans. Next one, Marty Collins, 0607. Uh, Collins flagrantly fouled J.R. Smith. 
and tried to attack Carmelo Anthony mm. during a brawl. Willie Reed, 1617. Reed was suspended following a domestic violence incident against his wife on August 5th of the previous year. Finally, Dion Waiters, 1920. In December of 19, <laughs> Waiters called in work sick before posting a picture of himself on a boat celebrating his 28th birthday. Nice. Okay. That a boy. Brawls, uh, fights with, the, with fans, lying about being sick. Yeah, and then... And that's that's it. Domestic and then, violence. <laughs> then, yeah, domestic violence. Okay, in that context, yeah, that's, is it justified, Maxime? What do you think, dude? Five games. You know, is is that a is that the right number here? I mean, you're you're not only does my gut say it's not right, but you're backing it up with the statistics. I just don't think that this is in the same camp at all. You know, to me, I'm feeling more like three games is what I would would have expected. But again, we we know that this is the case. The league overreacts to Draymond consistently. So this is a pattern that's like, oh, it makes sense because it's Draymond, but that's the only reason. Adam, if, let's change the name. It's no longer Draymond Green. Now it's uh, Greemond Drain. You know, like it's just it's a different person. Yeah. They do the exact same thing. It's exactly what happens last night. Still a five-game suspension? I, I can't imagine so. I mean, we just talked about how unique it was and how rare it is for that to happen. And it's an on-court incident. I, I'd be really, really, really interested to know. And we don't know if the malice doesn't happen. If nobody throws that drink that hits Ron Artest, does Ben Wallace still see six games? Because he probably still gets a suspension for that foul. It was a really bad foul. And that game was over. I remember it was over. We were watching something else. It was on a small TV. And there was like something else on the projector. And uh, it was up, up in the corner and they threw it on the big screen. But I don't know because like the foul was really bad by Ben Wallace, but it was a bad foul for what basketball is. It wasn't like a three months to me at some point went beyond basketball. Once you put your arm around the guy, and it's like I feel this whole like chokehold, like a uh, what are they saying, chokehold versus headlock thing is so stupid because it's it's like arguing was with Jordan full sucker punch. Like who gives a shit, dude? So <laughs> the thing was the whole thing over the line, and it doesn't matter what what was said, you know. Um, yeah, it was, was he justified in helping his buddy? Yeah, at some point did it cross the line? Yeah, is the suspension high? Yeah, it, it, would it happen to anybody else? Probably not. But we, we, we'll take the four rings on the five games, you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, we had limited time with Adam and loved having him here. We'll have him back on. We'll explore this. But Maxime, you and I still have a lot of shit to talk about as far as these fights are concerned. And the next question I want to ask you is what I'm kind of fired up for. All right. So the question is going to be who had their teams back more Draymond foreseeing what was going down with clay, right. And stepping in and um, literally having his back or Rudy Gobert for not throwing a punch and not getting kicked out. And to add a little context before you give us any kind of response, let me share a couple of things with you. First, let me share Rudy's take. Mm-hmm on what he did and why he did it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because before the game, I was I was telling myself that Steph is not playing, so I know Draymond's going to get going to try to get ejected. Because every time Steph doesn't play, uh, you know, he gets, he, he doesn't want to play without his, his, uh, his, his, uh, his guy Steph, so he just uh, do anything he can to get ejected. So it's all good, you know. What did you think when you saw the video of it? I mean, nothing more, you know, it's just uh, it's clown behavior, you know, and uh, like, I'm, I'm proud of myself for, you know, uh, being uh, the bigger man again and again, uh, you know, and uh, and yeah, 
you know, it doesn't even deserve me putting my hands on him. You know, uh, I think it just, um, you know, my team needed me tonight, and uh, I did whatever whatever I could to, to you know, uh, keep my cool and then show that I wasn't making the situation worse. All right, so there is Rudy explaining how he had his team's back, right? Put those hands out, showed the ref he wasn't doing anything, keep me in the game, and trust me, Maxine, we will chase down whether or not we think Draymond purposely got ejected. But before we get there, let's also consider the other side on this. I'm not going to play it from Draymond, though. I'm going to play you a quote from Pat Beverly. This is from the Pat Bev uh, pod giving endless shit to Carl Anthony Towns from last night because Towns did not have his teammates back in the way that Draymond did. And Pat mm. Bev explains the impact on that of this relationship, of these two teams against each other, and the whole nine yards. Let's get Pat Bev's take. Dude, I Man, I seen like, Draymond choke the shit out of motherfucker there. Cat bogus as hell. What? No, 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 no. Cat's no. bogus? Yeah, he's bogus, man. <laughs> Cat bogus, man. Straight up. And Ant was back there, too. And Draymond knew, too. Don't nobody <laughs> like Rudy anyway. <laughs> that was a perfect moment to do it. Like, fuck it. That would be choke Rudy ass. And he did not let go. No, you, a person choke you like that, don't let go. That, that shit was built up. But Daniel's then I see Cat make a, a mean mug face like, but then you ain't doing shit. Choke Draymond back. So now, if I'm Draymond, I, yeah, I check they, I choke they center, and they homies didn't do nothing. If we play y'all in the playoffs, oh, Cat, I ain't worried about you. You didn't even help your homie. So how can he rectify this? Can't. So what? And you can't even, like, try to get your get back. So what? Whole world, I'm saying. Thanks, Cat. Uh, he in the game. Oh, he's still playing? He didn't get... He didn't do, he didn't do shit. Fuck, why would he get booed? He didn't do shit. <laughs> All right, so those are both sides. Also, random aside, something about player podcasts that make me rethink the way I view previously hated players. That made me really like Pat Bev, and I have yes. disliked him in so many settings. Um, but okay, so you kind of heard both sides, right? The the one side, Gobert, wanted to stay on the floor. Something that we really could have used from Draymond last night because we didn't have Steph and we were losing Clay. Also, Pat Bev, the benefit of having a teammate's back and what that not only means to the teammate, what it means to the opponents the next time you see him. All right, so in your mind, which one of those two made the right call? Who, who had their teams back more last night, Gobert or Draymond? Straight up, Draymond had the back more. I, and I understand what Rudy is saying, but this is, I know it's the in-season tournament, and so therefore, sure, there are more stakes. This is a regular season game. This would be like saying, oh, Steve Kerr didn't have the teams back because he, you know, he got a technical and got himself thrown out of the game. No, sometimes you need to make a point. This is an 82-game season, not the in-season in tournament doesn't matter. Uh, there are other implications that we need to get into, but in terms of the exact question of who had their teams back more, Draymond, 100%. I think it's a matter of how much time you put into this, right? If you're looking at just that game, that that's it. We're looking at the impact of November 14th, 2023, and who wins that game? Well, Gobert, no question. We needed Dre. He was gone. And so, you know, did him not being able to help his teammates, he didn't have his teammates back. Expand the scope. Consider five years, 10 years, the amount of time these guys have played together, the amount of time they're going to know each other going into the future, the larger that scope gets, the more I think it defends Draymond's position that it did. Who gives a shit about that one game? You put hands on clay. He puts hands on you, you know, and it, it's, it, it's the definition of teammates who are that close, right. And who've 
who have um, built this bond through war and sports. So I, I also agree with you. I understand the other side, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's more important that he did that. I, I, so I, I agree. But the point I was getting at Rudy in the, in the comments that we just played contextualized it in a way that kind of changed, like he's playing podium chess. I was very impressed by that because as soon as he talked about, Oh yeah, well I knew, I knew I needed to stay in the game because that's how you help your teammates. I was immediately reminded of game four of the 2016 finals when essentially Draymond's ejection for, you know, punching LeBron in the nuts is what are kicking him in the nuts rather probably lost us the 2016 finals, or at least we would have had a much better shot. And so right by framing it in that way, I'm reminded, oh, Draymond actually doesn't necessarily distinguish between when it's an important game and when it's not an important game. And so I think Rudy is winning the mental battle here a little bit because I can't help but think about like, yeah, but this is just as likely to happen in a playoff series against Minnesota, for example, come at the end of the season. I'm going to lean on Pat Bev again. Um, so... I think that Draymond did what he did for Clay for the first five seconds, 10 seconds. I don't know. I think he saw something, hopped in and pulled Rudy off. Then when he held on to him for as long as he did, I'm not sure that was for Clay anymore. And Pat Bev, <laughs> when you play back that clip, what he says is when he held on to him for that long, that, that shit was built up. you know. And I, I think somewhere along the 10 to 15 yards that he like dragged him backwards, it transitioned from don't touch Clay to... Uh, him losing it a little bit and seeing red um, and maybe his relationship with Gobert, in which case it wasn't for the team, you know? And so that was my reaction when we were talking about Copeland. I didn't break that down. When it first happened, I was on board and then eight, nine seconds in, I'm like, let him go. I'm like, I'm screaming at the television screen because I didn't understand that portion. You had already split it up. You, you know, you, you didn't need to hold on to him for as long as you did. Yeah, yeah, and and ultimately, like, I, it's just not the best look, you know. Um, I, I'm right there with you. That was a very frustrating component of all this. That leaves the other fracas. I right? the one that started it, Clay v. Jaden, and this is a personal one for me because I'm getting fucking dragged on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> I took to Twitter right after it happened, tweeted out McDaniel's is dirty as shit, included a six second video of the interaction I took from my, uh, from my television screen. As we sit here right now, that six second video has been seen 4.8 million times. And of those 4.8, about 99% think I'm an asshole and that I was wrong. And I'm just, just nonstop. I'm much better. And I'd like to tell you, Maxine, that it doesn't bother me that like I did that and I look at it and I'm all hell happy. Every one of the like 10,000 fuck you responses we've got, I've read and taken to heart. So it, like, it's really, it's hurting me. All right. So leads to this question. When you watched it, who do you blame? You know, be, between the um, whether or not Clay grabbed his jersey, was he just boxing him out? You watch that interaction. Who do you think started it? Who do you think is most at fault? Man, I, very neutral. It's hard for me to see Clay reaching out first and and just grabbing his collar and not think, okay, well, this is this is the inciting event. I'm not sure that I'm seeing anything before that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Bram. That, that's just, that, like, that feels like the start of things, you know? And then I'm not really sure if McDaniels is holding on to his hand, and then they start kind of twirling around each other. But it does sort of seem like, in terms of a jersey grab, Clay started it. So here's where I say, fuck you. You can join that list of people in there. <laughs> um, here's what I saw. Here's what I saw. And he may or may not have grabbed the jersey. Uh I forget the name of that portion of the jersey that goes over your shoulder. It's like the striplet or something. But what I Good saw knowledge. is that Clay was trying to box out 
in, in an area you aren't always going to be boxing out. They were out of the paint. They're over close to the bench. And so in, in that position, you can't use your back yet. You're not going to push him off. What you have to do is see where the ball's going, and you still have to know where the other player is. Mm. And so the way you do that, your spatial awareness, is you use your eyes and your, your face to watch the ball, and you use your hand to find out where the bad guy is, you know, where the, where the player is. And then once you know where the ball is and you know where the player is, you now use your back to box him out and go get the ball. I think that's what he did. I think he was trying to just get a sense of where McDaniels was. Whether or not he might he may have grabbed the jersey while he was doing that, but I think that initial inciting event, and I'll admit it was Clay's hand that started it, I don't think that there was any ill will at all, at all, at all when he did that. And then from there on out, ill will exploded. McDaniels didn't like it, held his hand and pulled him in. Clay didn't like that McDaniels held his hand. They get tangled up, down they go to the floor. Next thing we know, Clay is shirtless and everyone's getting ejected. So of the things, if I'm trying to put in some kind of like mental um, component to this, you know, intent, I don't think at any moment Clay had had any evil intent. I think from the moment that thing fucking started, McDaniels did, mm. you know, and, and maybe he was misinterpreting what went down with Clay. But if I'm going to justify why I think we can blame Dirty McDaniels or why I've come up with that nickname, that's why I don't think he reached out to grab the jersey, he reached a box out. What do you think? Did I talk you into it? You kind of did. I, I mean, I, I think the argument that you're saying is not so much who, who actually started the physical altercation, but who started maybe the mental altercation. Right, that that McDaniel's was the first one to be angry about it. Um, Clay's just trying to play basketball. Physical contact happens on the court. I mean, that that can be part of the game. I think that Clay's physical contact was game related. I think the rest of it was not. And you know, that, I I think that's the easiest way to break it down. But I'm a homer. You know, it is what it is. This is something I wanted to scream at about four hundred thousand people today. But instead, <laughs> I just read it and sobbed to myself. How do you think you would take that if you were getting dragged uh, by strangers? You know, would you take it hard? Do you not care? Would you not read it? You know, what's what's your analysis on that? I, maybe, maybe, Bram, it's just that I'm sleep deprived. I'm going to give you the truest answer I'm maybe ever given on this show. This is just why I'm not on social media. Just straight up. This is why I don't engage with social media. I'm so worried about getting dragged for a take um, that I would just rather not participate in the ecosystem. I'm too mature to take it hard. I certainly don't refresh oh, it every eight seconds and then just read everything <laughs> and, and slowly take it super hard. So, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Um, oh, we got to take the invitation. You said sleep deprived. We didn't get a chance to do it up front. I won't save it till uh, till late now. Family news, dude. How you been? How come we haven't seen you for a while? <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a new dad. Um, had a had my well, my wife had our son about eight days ago, so took a little break. But you know what? The the crazy thing about all of it is, um, and Bram, you know, and, and Marcus does too, because you're both fathers already. Um, I'm able to focus on basketball more than I feel like I've ever had before. I'm basically just sleeping, making sure this kid's getting fed by making sure my wife's getting fed and watching a lot of hoop. So it's like good life. <laughs> I respect it. You're going to want to delete this in about 10 to 15 years, <laughs> just in case uh, your son checks it out. But no, that all, that all is factually accurate. And I'm really impressed with your ability to complete sentences, man. Now you are seemingly like totally coherent and, and awake and making moves here. So I'm, I'm impressed. Thank you. Yeah, I've had to occasionally dip off camera to like wipe the drool off of my face. And I'm sure that I will face plant into the computer as soon as this recording is over. But I'm giving it all my adrenaline right now. <laughs> I'm hoping you go down beforehand. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see how that plays out. But most importantly, congratulations to you, to Natalie, to the whole family, man. Uh, 
Welcome to the world and it makes this conversation even more significant. It is your son's first Draymond suspension. I mean, I remember where I was for my first dude. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll look back on this. We might, you know, commemorate this in some way. I don't know. Put it on a CD and frame it or something. <laughs> Flipping back to on-court fights. Have you ever been in a sports setting where there was a fight? You ever been in like in a game or something like that and people went after it? Oh, I don't think so. That's a good question. Not to my memory. I, um, first year at Skyline, we played in Richmond and I was on JV. And at that time, JV played first. And so we went down, we won, we had a pretty good team. And then we sat in the stands at Richmond and spent three and a half quarters talking shit to anyone who would listen. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a fucking 15 or whatever it is and, and talking as much as I can. And during the varsity game, it comes down to a, a final shot. A guy named Jason Wright playing for Skyline, playing for our team, hits the shot and is kind of an ugly game. And during the post-game handshakes, somebody spits in Jay Wright's ear and Jay Wright slaps him and a riot ensues. Literally, there's five people spill out of the stands and now they're fighting everywhere. And I have spent the last 45 minutes talking shit to all these people who are now fighting around me. I have never been that scared. I'd like to tell you, like, I fought my way out. No one's ever run faster to a locker room. I wasn't even sure, like, where the locker room was. I remember losing my headphones and be like, those are gone forever. Like, it didn't even look back. Like, there was there was no time at all at all. So, I've been... Here's, here's what that experience teaches me um, without fighting in any way. The, the decisions that are made during that, you know, who's punching who, who's pulling people away, where you're going, where you're not... There's not a lot of logic involved, Maxime. You know, we have it now. When I look back through these videos and spend a bunch of time, I can tell you exactly, oh, he's a peacemaker. He's not. I look at his intent. When it's happening, when that thing is going down, the, the decisions you make with no time in between, there's no logic, dude. You know, it's just, you're just reacting, um, which I think is an important thing to kind of note here. I completely agree. It's one of the main things I've been thinking about this whole time. Draymond does not have the benefit of a replay in his brain as he's going into that. And if, you know, he's not necessarily processing that there's a fight happening. He looks over, he just sees the split second where there's a Gobert arm around a Clay Thompson neck. That's all you need. Everything else is red. I, I really don't blame him for overreacting in the outset. I wish he'd calm down quicker, but I get it. Yeah. After the six seconds, same thing for McDaniels and Clay too. You know, I mean, it, it's a bang, bang interaction that suddenly people are going to be focusing on and talking about forever. Um, last question. And it's probably our most important. So we'll just do it fast and then we'll really explore it on the next episode. And it's a, a golden question, but I'll paraphrase it as opposed to read it. Really what this listener was saying is a tale of two teams. We were world beaters uh, <laughs> when we were sitting at six and two. Now we are six and six and it seems like the world beats us. Are you worried? Yeah, I, I, I am worried. Um, I think that six and two in retrospect is just another another campaign for a Steph MVP season. I mean, he put the team on his back so hard, you might as well call him Atlas. This dude was unbelievable. And so, you know, and then he comes back down to earth and it, and it turns out that, or not even comes back down to earth, but is out of game, whatever. Um, we need somebody else, man. You know, like I, I'm, I'm worried that Clay is not going to come back from this. It's not going to be a, oh, slow start to the season, but it might actually just be a slow season. Um, if Wiggins happened to be unique in how he played for us before, and this is his Minnesota form, which is actually who he is, we might not have a team that's constructed well enough to actually compete this year. So I think it comes down to offense. I mean, I, you know, you, you nailed it. Um, how worried am I? I'm forcefully being optimistic. 
I want to believe these are good players who are not playing well, as opposed to people who are beyond, you know, their ability to really contribute. And it comes down to scoring. You know, I mean, this isn't breaking news, man. Nobody can score 20 points who wasn't named Steph Curry until last night. And I don't feel really good resting our offensive future on Dario Saric or Brandon Podzinski, as much as I loved what they did last night. They are role players. They're not your leading scorers. And so it comes down to like, if here, here's, here's some numbers I pulled. These are points per game. Uh, for the one, two, three, four, five, top six scores for the Golden State Warriors. Up top, Steph, 30.7. So MVP type numbers. Then not so MVP. Clay, 14.6. Oh. Kaminga, 11.5. Wiggins, 10.4. Sarek, 9.2. Dre, 8.8. Chris Paul, 8.8. Um, so, you know, I always use this phrase if you had to bet something that means something to you, mortgage, whatever it is. If I had to bet, on which of these players will average more than 18 points per game going forward versus like nobody? I don't know, man. I mean, I want to say it's Clay or Wiggins, um, but I've been wanting to say that for the last four games, for the last 12 games, and it hasn't come to fruition. But I'm going to end this where I started it. Forceful optimism. <laughs> Something's going on with Wiggins and I I want to think it's his rib or some mental issue he can get beyond. One of the things that stuck out last night is that he was locked in. He didn't it didn't his numbers weren't great, but his aggression was back. And so I I do believe that these guys are still good enough to find it, but they're going to have to find it in order for them to have the season that we want because the way it's currently playing out, there's not a future to this. You know, the, this is a, this is a play-in team if this is how they continue. Whereas if we get another, you know, 18 to 20 points to score, it's a it's a title contender. Agreed. And Slater reported that Wiggins had a truncated offseason. I'm not entirely sure why, but I, I think there's reason for, you know, optimism that he's going to ramp back up to be that consistent 18 points per game, you know, with his eyes closed. Chris Paul should be shooting at least a little bit better than he is. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think that his game is, uh, you know, entirely surrounded on shooting the way that Clay's is. So I feel like it's a component that will round into form. I am worried about Clay, but I think there's enough to your point um, of other contributors that haven't started contributing yet that likely will. Last night was the first time I felt like the missed shots were impacting the shots he was willing to take with Paul. So I've been nothing but complimentary this year and I've continued to be, I like the move. I like what he does at the end of last night's game. Chris Paul was our best shot at having a grizzled veteran run the show. In fact, had everyone been healthy and available and not ejected, Chris Paul probably still would have had the ball in his hands to do that. And in that last, the last oh. opportunity the Warriors had, he got it into what Fitzgerald calls his office. He got to the fucking free throw line. And instead of taking that jumper wide open, he kept pressing and then forced it to Sario or to Dario, who got his, his three blocked, which was a little frustrating. And I felt like maybe Paul didn't take that because the shot wasn't falling this season. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, good to have you back, man. We missed you. Yeah. You have a fatherly glow about you. You seem like. Yeah. More mature and just like just a genuinely better person. Nicely played. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's the lack of sleep. <laughs> I do too. Uh, but you know, whatever, whatever gets you there. Um, for us, you want to let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job, you can shoot us an email too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com.
unless you are one of those motherfuckers who destroyed me on Twitter, then you can keep your opinions to yourself. We're also on other social medias. You can find us just by searching uh, Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors! Hopefully, see you real soon. Good, good.